is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Jamila Franco on our show today. Jamila is an Afro-Indigenous woman bringing years of experience in impact-driven entrepreneurship and clean technology. Her work is centered around empowering communities to innovate and co-create alternative solutions to solve Earth's most pressing socioeconomic and environmental challenges. With an honors degree in biology and a background in business and finance, Jamila works on bringing Nioka's vision and mission to life through their circular economy design hub. Jamila believes that research, entrepreneurship, community, and identity are interconnected and therefore leverages her skills as a way to empower fellow innovators. Earlier this year, she was awarded the Representation, Engagement, Participation Youth Award by Here in Canada due to her advocacy and anti-racism work in the community, and was the recipient of both the Regional and National Startup Prize in the 2020 Startup Canada Canadian Export Challenge. Jamila's knowledge is built on a holistic enterprise design, giving back to the land and sustainable development goals. Outside her work with Nioka, she's a community advocate for financial inclusion, education, and empowerment of racialized women, and currently supports various organizations for mobilizing knowledge and building resilient communities. Welcome to the show, Jamila. Hi, good morning. I'm so excited to be here today. Likewise, I'm so excited to be connecting with you, hearing your voice. Um, It's always amazing to have uh, our former Startup Canada uh, Canadian Export Challenge winners on the Thrive Podcast. It gives me particular pleasure (laughs) to to bring you on. (laughs) Thank you. So before we dive into what I'm sure is going to be a fabulous conversation, what is really the most important thing that you want our audience to take away from today's chat? What I want the audience to take away from today's chat is that even though you have an idea that seems crazy at first with your business, and that might be related to impact, uh, in our case, to circular economy, maybe it's related to creating new systems. I want you to take away the fact that it is possible to do it Mm. and how well that's why we build or how we build our social enterprises. Amazing. So let's walk through your entrepreneurial journey. What really inspired you to launch, um, you know, your clean tech, impact-driven startup, Nyoka Design Labs? Walk us through. 
Well, I was thinking a lot, and, and you know what? I think about my background and my story. I think it really ties to my values and also to my co-founder page. Mm. But when I was, you know, being born and raised in the Dominican Republic, I grew up uh, mostly outdoors with the environment, with the ocean, and it was beautiful. And then somehow, you know, I had so much fun and my parents really encouraged me to learn. I fell in love with science, which eventually led me to coming to the University of Victoria as an international student. Mm. Now, I thought that with education, you know, I would have all the tools to get a really great job and to solve the environmental challenges that we were facing today. In fact, I was a hardcore environmentalist when I was younger. If you look mm -hmm. at my science fair projects, I was so excited with just learning <laughs> and bringing change. Except upon coming here, I realized that the problems we were facing were just bigger than I thought. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at the true impact of plastic waste, you know, I was learning in class about microplastics, about climate uh, change, climate action. And when I think about the places that are being affected the most, and I look back in my life, I see how the change in climate and how the impact of pollution really shows up in places like back home. Mm. All of that to say that I developed this really big need for justice and for doing something that was different. And for me, you know, when I look at what everybody else is doing, if the problems are still persisting, I started asking questions like, well, what is not being done right now? What is not being done right? And that's when I met Paige actually at UVic, where she had invented an Ioka light wand. And mm -hmm. she presented at a knowledge mobilization series. She was a, we were both finalists there. And she brought up this light wand where she was explaining how this could be the start of so many things that will follow a circular economy process that will be plastic-free, non-toxic, and that will be healing for the earth and the land. And I instantly fell in love with that idea. I said, you know what, is that possible? That through innovation, through science, we can create something like that. And Paige had done it. So I approached her and I was like, I wanna work with you and I wanna make this happen. Okay. And so we started this journey of creating Nyoka Design Labs and turning it to what it is today. But really with this intention of creating something that will outlive us mm. and that will leave an impact that maybe we won't be able to see in our lifetime, but that I know my next generation, my cousins, my relatives, they will be able to see because it'll be in the environment, it'll be in the world what we create. Mm, I love that. I love that. And, you know, within the small business community, I think many still see sustainability and the circular economy um, and really attaining that as potentially a space where, where money's not necessarily wasted, but you could potentially end up spending a lot of money in this space. But Neoka Design Labs has really found incredible success by, you know, engineering the earth-friendly, bioluminescent powered alternative to a glow stick. I love, love just the, the movement, uh, you know, behind the, the raison d'etre of this organization. Can you really explain how circular design and sustainability um, can often translate to regenerative finances? Like, I know this is something that you're particularly knowledgeable and passionate about. Um, explain that to our audience, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions in this space. Yeah, thank you so much for asking this question. I am absolutely in love with finances and mm -hmm. with systems that can lead to the changes we want to see. I absolutely agree with you. You know what? Change is painful at the beginning and it's messy, but I like to focus on the process and the end product. So my question is, for example, 
you know, I read a report from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, and they said that shifting to a circular economy model could generate about 700 billion economic opportunity, of which a significant proportion was related to just plastic packaging that is being wasted today. And so when I look at transitioning, you know, and, and looking at regenerative finances, we don't have systems established right now that make it easy. But that is the huge opportunity right now where if we rethink how our systems work, how we consume materials and how we create, can we start asking questions that might be even more introspective in our whole value chain proposition? And, you know, are the decisions that I'm making today, are the products that I'm making today empowering those people that are affected by, by the products that I create? And my decisions and how I run my business today lead to a closed loop in terms of waste. And that's what we talked about in the circular economy. Now, think about it for a second. You buy something. Let's think about linear economy. You buy something from the store. Uh, sometimes I think about supermarkets because there's so much plastic packaging used with food. And you buy it. The moment you open your food, you kind of take off the plastic wrap or gifts as well. And where does that end up? In the landfill. But what about the value of that plastic? I mean, besides the fact that it's going to harm the environment and that it's going to be continued to outlive us for thousands of years, what about the value and what about maybe rethinking how that plastic can be used? And so that's why we speak about the circular economy, about closing the loop. And yeah, it is hard. I see it because... It is a challenge. It's not necessarily how we're taught to think. So this is where we can challenge the systems that are in place. And when we think about regenerative finances, I want you to think about it as a circular loop as well. You see, a circular economy is referring maybe to waste where we're using uh, what we consider today as, in quotation marks, waste as a resource because nothing really is waste. We just haven't found a way to really use it properly. And I think this ties back to maybe more traditional methods of using resources and materials. Because when I look back and what I'm learning from every day from indigenous communities, from the world around me, you see leaves falling from the trees and the leaves are not being wasted because they fall. They get turned into something else. Mm. Mm. So all things considered and based on your experience working, you know, in the ecosystem, what barriers do you think are really prohibiting us from establishing a more um, circular economy in our businesses? Why aren't we doing this other than, you know, the, the traditional processes that are potentially in place or, you know, myths about cost? Well, when I think about true circularity, I think about uh, values. And I also think about the system that we operate in. So when we're starting a business, especially, let's say, a social enterprise like we have, we are plugging into things as much as we can because we need that support to lay a foundation for our work. But the support that we're receiving in many cases, well, the majority of the support doesn't align with our same core value or with our same core processes that we want to implement. Let's look at this example. If we're outsourcing materials because we're not producing in-house, 
how are we able to control the waste that is being generated by the businesses we collaborate with? Hmm. And sure, we can have and we do an effort to align ourselves with businesses that are B corporations, for example. Hmm. But in a space that is so, so niche, like in, in biotechnology, clean technology, where our resources are not widespread and we're constantly innovating and creating from scratch, I think that's the first barrier that I find is that we are paving out a new path ourselves, which is great because people who come after us, like if, if a company reaches out to us for a partnership, we already have figured some things out. And we can say like, hey, this is what we can do to foster circularity within your work and within what you what you're trying to do in the world. But when it comes to disrupting and innovating, it's literally like breaking free from a system that is the norm mm -hmm. and that is also more cost effective. So financial barriers are huge. You know, it's kind of like when you think about locally handmade, it takes longer. It might take more, uh, more care, more intention as well. And those are the things that we are working through right now, which I mean, for many businesses, basically is, is what doesn't let them implement a truly circular economy model. And so switching gears a little bit and also looking to what can add, you know, strength, not just a, a circular economy, but in terms of diversity. Um, I know this is an area that you are unbelievably passionate about that you've been really championing um, with another initiative that we're partnering on, connecting Canadian entrepreneurs with uh, entrepreneurs in Israel. Um, and really the power of our communities and the strength of our communities being deeply rooted in its diversity, um, whether that's, you know, in thought, in culture, um, or what you call ways of knowing. So I would love to, to have you explain the concept of ways of knowing and how this, this idea um, can really impact a company's mission and their vision and the way that they operate day to day, in addition to looking at um, other processes that can support, you know, the environment, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. I am extremely passionate. And it's partly because of who I am. I mean, the fact that I wasn't raised or I wasn't born and raised here. And coming here, I found so much diversity in our communities. But I also found a lot of spaces or, or opportunities for people to really seclude themselves from each other. So I, when you asked that question, I thought right away from maybe a herd of animals or, or you know, when, when there's a problem and everybody who's trying to solve the problem thinks the same way and now everybody's stuck. Mm -hmm. And now you don't get different perspectives and you don't really see like, hey, what can be done? What is that perspective that you're missing? And I think that's the power with that whole inclusion or Jedi piece is the fact that by welcoming different ways of knowing of living, of communicating around you, you're literally opening new doors to solve problems that maybe we wouldn't be able to do ourselves. Hmm. And so when I refer to different ways of knowing or being is literally anything away from what we know. And I think we get caught up a lot in thinking that who we are, how we think, how we operate, we get caught up in this idea that that's the only way there is. And, you know, that idea is also really strengthened if you're surrounded by people who are just like yourself. But I am so grateful that by traveling so much and by nature of being an immigrant here, I bring my values and our traditions from back home in the Dominican Republic. But I've been heavily influenced by their new relations I've made in here. And I can observe, you know, my relations maybe with with my friends from university, which was awesome. But even in business. When I meet people that 
a clear example that speak different languages. Mm. You know, even their thought process can be different. And it's so interesting for me. But when it comes to translating it to mission, values, and operations, think about solving a problem. If you're stuck and you ask for advice, are you going to ask for advice for somebody that maybe thinks that's like let yourself? Mm. Are you both going to be stuck or do you want an external person who might be able to tell you, hey, you've been going forward all this time. Have you thought about going on the sides or looking behind you or maybe looking 3D in the world? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that, that diversity of perspective is so, so important. And especially um, as we're building our businesses, building a way to get um, you know those perspectives in at the very beginning um, to really help shape our businesses, I think is, is a really important conversation to have. Um, and you know the way that we understand the world around us, if that's from you know an Afro-Indigenous perspective, from a Western perspective, it touches every part of how we we do our business, our mission, priorities, how we govern, staffing. Exactly to your point, do you have any advice yeah. for entrepreneurs? Um, you know, how do you help bridge these ideas and practices in their businesses? What tips do you have um, on, uh, on you know, building purposeful businesses with this in mind? Yeah, you know, when I think about purpose, I think there is a huge, first, there has to be acknowledgement. Mm. And there has to be acknowledgement that our way is not the only way. Mm -hmm. And honestly, maybe the only way we've been following hasn't worked so well thus far when we look at where the world is heading. And I think in my case, with Nayoka, it was easy enough that because I'm working and one of my stakeholders is the land, is the world, is the environment, like even ask yourself, who are your stakeholders and who are you working for? Mm. You know, bringing an Afro-Indigenous perspective for me makes it so that I say, you know what, the land is my stakeholder mm -hmm. and I need to make sure that I consider the land when I make those decisions. But how often do we even do that? And I mean, that's a clear example, I think, of how mm. having that diversity in perspective can actually build a different company and maybe the counter arguments can be like hey but is the land going to pay you hmm. or is it going to give you something else and honestly I think it also goes towards defining what do we value in terms of wealth in terms of pay because what about the health of our next generation so hmm. I think you know when it comes to bridging this knowledge first there has to be acknowledgement that uh, not everything is the way you think it is. There has to be that openness and there has to be mutual agreement of, of communication and how do you communicate? To me, mm -hmm. it has been challenging working across cultures, but I've always realized that even when I'm disagreeing with people I know is mostly linked to a lack of communication or a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. So, hey, what if I step back and I leave my ego on the side and open myself up to receiving information, receiving knowledge, and then asking questions that can link it towards me building a business? Mm -hmm. So if I am working for the land and my stakeholders are the community and our investors and even our team, of course, because those are the people and communities we affect, well, how can I make sure that we all benefit? And honestly, I think that the traditional way of just thinking about your profits, your profits and maximizing that is not going to lead us to the future because we already see how that is affecting our planet, how it affects the people in the world. And we might not even have a world to fight for if we continue that way. And I think there's a consciousness forming where people are even even team members, employees are caring about those things. So, hey, bridging ways of knowing and being can be as simple as 
let's go out for coffee and let's listen and learn from each other. Mm. And I know that that is just like a simplest thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. All the ways of knowing, take away culture, identity. And what do we have left is the fact that we're all people mm. and we are humans and we are connected. Even if I was born all the way, you know, the Dominican Republic and you are here, we are connected. I think mean, that's that humanity piece. Mm. Beautifully said, Jamila. My goodness, that that is. <laughs> I want to really take that snippet and uh, listen to it on a regular basis. I let you know. I, I totally agree that this sort of consciousness is forming, and we're seeing that in how people are building businesses and and their awareness, um, and those that are aligning to the sustainable development goals. Like we we've seen that within our entrepreneurship community, um, the number of quote sort of social entrepreneurs um, and those that are are really trying to um, both be profitable or work in nonprofit spaces, but give back to one of those those aligned um, SDGs is is a pretty powerful movement. So I think we're we're going in the right direction, but there's so much of this work that still needs to to happen. And and I love what you said about sort of lead, leaving your ego behind um, and making sure that we're entering these conversations for the right reasons, um, because we're going to obviously get such better benefit if we're genuinely engaging um, with these topics and and open to what might come out of them, even if it might be harder answers or you know a different type of work challenging our assumptions. Um, that that work is uh, you know essential to making sure that we're we're building back better in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you just touch on something that is challenging. And honestly, I find that there is so much discomfort in you putting yourself outside, or, or even in conversations or in spaces that maybe you're not used to. And honestly, discomfort is such a natural response of the body. And when I think about conversations I've had, again, with people or experiences, sometimes I've felt uncomfortable, but it might be because I just never heard an idea or a way of expressing or a way of communicating like that. So it really takes me to do my internal work so I can lead better. And I think, you know, being in business is also leading. But leading in business to me is very interconnected with leading in community because mm -hmm. how I lead in community is how I lead in business. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is tough. Sometimes I don't please everybody. But at the end of the day, it's about, you know, I have my values. I understand the interconnectedness and the reciprocity in our relations. And I bring that with me to business. Mm -hmm. But hey, what do you do if you feel uncomfortable? Like you mentioned, I think it's, it's even sitting with that discomfort and it's part of even that bigger process for me as a self-identifying woman, I say it's my process of rematriating mm -hmm. and that process of connecting back to my wisdom that I bring back from my ancestral, uh, all my ancestors. But what about, you know, the people that are walking with me right now, people that would come with me and that are supporting me in this journey. And honestly, it is so interconnected to how we run business because my advisors, my mentors, you know, my knowledge keepers are also my advisors in business because mm. I don't separate them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a legacy that I'm building and leaving behind. And I think we all have to think about that every interaction we have in the world, the decisions we make and how we run our businesses is part of our legacy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And having that value base really to root us in, in our direction forward. I think that's that, that's yes. really key um, and something that um, can often be overlooked. So I, I really love that that you've highlighted that so beautifully here, Jamila. Thank you. So other other resources, you know, that you might recommend to entrepreneurs if they're looking to learn more about this topic, potentially resources that have really helped you. What are different spaces that entrepreneurs who are listening today can go to to learn more? So for me, what has really shifted my perspective and has helped me lead better is intentionally putting myself to experience and to listen. So I know that there's a lot of trainings and workshops going on, but if you're looking at learning about leading and and building a company culture, about being more inclusive with ways of being, ways of knowing, even circular economy, Mm -hmm. my recommendation is can you put yourself right now on Zoom uh, or online in events or in conversations where you're just listening and learning. Mm. Because, you know, I, I when I see it's awesome that there's so much work around equity, diversity and inclusion. But are you actually implementing what you're learning or are you even learning from the people with lived experiences? Mm. And so can you take away that part of not just reading a book, but bring experiential learning to your life? How can that be? You know, when I think about my team, something we did last year, we were uh, doing training on braiding indigenous and Western science. And instead of going through maybe reading a book or something, we actually sat and went to to a panel. And we, of course, online, but we were listening how the different speakers were reflecting and explaining what it means to braid indigenous and Western science. And that was something for our team. It was an interesting and different process because we're used to maybe going to a university lecture, to uh, listening PowerPoint style, but sometimes a lot of the work to lead better has to do with us becoming better people too. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's a powerful statement. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, we just need to be better people to then lead the businesses from that from that base. That's a, a great yeah. point. Honestly, I can outsource skills. Think about it. We can yeah. always skills yeah. uh, strategies a bit different yeah you have to you have to keep a few things in mind but you can outsource skills I can always pay an accountant I can pay a lawyer it's great I don't need to even know that entirely myself but I need to know what I need to be rooted in my values mm-hmm. so when storms come I'm not shaken I'm not nervous I can make decisions knowing what is going to be best for my stakeholders mm. Agreed. Agreed. So any final takeaways, Jamila, to share with our audience? This episode has been so chock full of of fabulous information. Any final takeaway that you want to leave our audience with today? Honestly, I think it's, I just want to reiterate this idea that business and community are interconnected. Mm. Anything we do in the world has a ripple effect. You know, it affects the people. Maybe think about you, you know, the people that are watching you. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your neighbors. And if it's a business, uh, maybe it's the people that follow you on social media. So can you make an effort or can we collectively make an effort to make sure that the things we stand for are things that are, are I'm going to use the word worthwhile. I know this is the first person to person, but that lead to a positive change in the world. Mm. And especially with everything going on right now, I think that is needed more than ever. I think we have the power as entrepreneurs, as business owners, to not just be alone, but to work together and build something that is stronger, more inclusive, and that eventually, you know, is more sustainable long term. Mm. When I look at finances and I look at our decisions, even with the circular economy, I'm thinking about long term sustainability of both our business, but also of the world. 
Mm. So something for everyone to think about. And besides that, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Mm, absolutely. Mike, I am I am moved. Wow. My, I feel like the, the, <laughs> the gears are turning in my mind. Just, um, you know, taking taking the time to look through these different questions, to challenge our assumptions, to, um, you know, really, di- really respect diversity of perspectives and looking at, you know, stakeholders differently. I love, you know, positioning the land as one of your stakeholders. That's a pretty powerful, um, you know, consideration to come out of this episode with. And, and just reframing, um, you know, how we see things from, from our perspective. So I've so enjoyed this conversation, Jamila. Thanks so much for joining us on Thrive. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.